Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Vol Nation. Welcome to another episode of Believe in Tennessee Football. I'm your host, as always, Kyler Curbison, joined with Reed Bacon. Have another amazing podcast for you. Had a lot of news that happened in the SEC this past week. A lot of coaches firing back and forth at each other. Um, Brian Harson being on the hot seat. Uh, but we first dive into Tennessee-related subjects, recruiting, uh, basketball, and the Senior Bowl in East-West Shrine game and, and what that meant for the guys that are coming out this year and going to the draft. So another great podcast. Let's jump into it. By the game. Snap. The kick is in the air, and the kick this time is no, sir, Reed. No, sir, Reed. Final score. Tennessee 20, Florida 17. Pandemonium reigns. Looks, loads up. Fires long for the end zone. The pass is going to be caught. Tennessee, Tennessee wins. by Tennessee. Jawan Jennings. Jennings makes the catch in the end zone on the Hail Mary. Down at the 35, to the 40, to the 45, to the 50, to the 45, to the 40, to the 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. What did he do? All he did was score. Joey Pitt. Touchdown on play number one. All right, so before we jump into the podcast, shout out our number one sponsor, as always, betonline.ag. Listen, if you're wanting to make anything exciting, you got to bet on it. It makes it so much better. Um, even if you're following a team that you're not necessarily a fan of, you put some money down, that thing gets very exciting. You're really watching that game. Um, bet online is that place to do it. It's got all the news, the stats, the scores, the odds, everything you could think of. They cover every sport too: football, basketball, boxing, golf, everything you could think of. That is the place to go. So when you head over, check out their new, uh, mobile site, uh, their new website. And when you sign up, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus. If you use the code believe. That's B-L-E-A-V when you sign up. So 50% welcome bonus. That's awesome. 50% on your first deposit. That's amazing. Um, so before you watch any games, before you enjoy any sports, head on over to Bet Online, put some money down on it, make it exciting. Bet Online. It's where the game starts. All right. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, hope you guys are having a great week. Welcome to Hump Day. Um, first, before we get into a jam-packed week of news. Reed, how are we doing, bud? Man, doing great. Doing great. Um, awesome uh, awesome church service this morning, so that was nice. Went to Sacred Heart. Our boy, uh, old Danny White, was there again today. Last last week was your man, uh, who I've seen a couple times, but uh, Coach Martinez, him and his wife are definitely there when I guess he's not on the road, so that was nice. And then uh, went to Catholic. Man, I, it's funny. I've been to Catholic twice now this weekend. I haven't, and I hadn't been down there in about a year or so, except for when we were going down there to 
sneakily work out when all the gyms were closed for COVID. <laughs> we had a key. Uh, I'm not quite a quite there. a perk when your best friend's dad does all the little the uh, middle yeah. school teams and has keys to everything. Hey, yeah, as I say, don't don't give away who it is, but he had the he had the key, so we would. Uh, which we also used to go and do that. We'd also go and work out down there on Thanksgiving when all the gyms were closed and stuff. We I remember you. I think you went down there with us a couple times. Hell, oh, yeah. You were down there with us a bunch, actually. I think. Oh yeah, I did that a lot, and get and like played in the gym too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was nice, and then uh, but anyway, so I went to. I had not been to a Catholic basketball game in probably ten years since I left, and so we went last week uh, to the web game because there was some family, like the Williamsons were going. Carolyn Williamson, she coaches for the girls team. So I went and saw that. And then this week we were going back down there because my sister and my dad wanted to go. It's coach Hutch's last season and stuff. So we went down there, but I actually really enjoy watching those boys play because like that basketball is a hell of a lot different than when we were there. Like not to say that we didn't have good teams when I was there, but like BJ Edwards and, and blue cane and just some of the, I mean, even the other guys that don't get as much pub as those two, like darn good basketball players, like, yeah, it's just bro, it's just it's just different. And then Macaulay had like a seven four or seven three guy who I actually kind of felt bad for him to to be honest because like when you're that big and you like you know do something kind of goofy and kind of goofy and whatever like our student section was just ripping him and I felt so bad for the big fella. He was actually better than I expected, um, yeah. but of course he missed like one dunk and like the student section like literally like pooped their pants and went nuts but uh <laughs> the ccc baby yeah it was like but anyway so what i was gonna say is after church today i went down to catholic because they had a it was a really neat like tour you could go through of all the miracles of the eucharist so i would that was cool so anyways it was it was a great sunday so far now i'm excited to talk with you um and uh yeah so it's been great i, I can't complain so can't complain. Uh, glad you guys go back to Catholic. Check out that basketball team. Some of those guys, you know, yeah. B- coming to UT. B- B- so, yeah. Um, but let's let's hop into recruiting uh, slash signing guys, because uh, we didn't really talk about, you know, national signing day. I'm doing air quotes for the people watching or just listening um, because we only signed one guy to scholarship. It's just so like. All they did was shift the day back now with this early signing period, which is so annoying. But I wanted to talk about some of the other guys that we got on the team. And my, one that's very much surprised me was Shannon Blair. This, the fact that he was a scholarship guy, like committed to Michigan State, like he is on scholarship. In most hey, can, I, can I stop you real quick? Yeah. I, I got to yell real quick because uh, I'm using my sister's iPad and it closed out. And I didn't know her password. So I got to just stop you and yell, hey, Georgia, uh, I need you to come type in your password for the for, for your uh, iPad while we're – because I got I let it close off. All right, everyone. It's oh, we're definitely – if you ever if you ever steal my sister's iPad and you need to use it, it's 2288. All right, continue, my friend. We are definitely going to keep that in. Um but Shannon Blair, so signs as a preferred walk-on at UT. And this is what's so much fun about Transfer Portal and NIL stuff is because it's all so new 
that different ways of thinking about it keep popping up. I never even thought of this as a, hey, come here as preferred walk-on. You will get you money with NIL deals and that can pay for your school. So you don't have to pay for your school and you don't have to count towards one of our scholarships. And if you do perform very well, we'll put you on scholarship next year. Like that is a possibility. And I never even would have like really thought about that, but now you can get guys that are three stars that are going to be scholarship players everywhere else to be preferred walk-ons because they'd rather be home. They'd rather play for Tennessee. Um, And he's a good player. Like he's not no schmuck over there. Like watching his highlight tapes, he's a great returner. He's a great DB shows a lot of aggression when he comes up and tackles, he's not scared. Um, Cause a lot of times corners are just so, you know, athletic and, and pretty and they, they don't want to come up and make a tackle when there's a sweep coming their way or when there's an out route or when there's a screen, but he fires his gun and goes. Um, so watching his highlight, I was excited. I was like, heck yeah, we just got this guy. This is awesome. And then I realized he was a walk-on and I mean, just blew me away. Uh, like just poop my pants. <laughs> I did not think <laughs> – I did not think that that guy was going to be a walk-on. I just duke it in my britches. <laughs> <laughs> so, first off, yes, I will say that I was watching and kind of keeping up with some of this, you know, like you said, air quotes, National Signing Day. And everything I'm seeing, it's like I'm so excited to commit to University of Tennessee. So, I see it on Twitter. I click on their Twitter, and I immediately go to media because I want to see the pictures that they put up there uh, – so blessed to receive an offer from, so we're blessed. And so I'm some of these guys, I'm seeing it, and I'm like, huh. I was like, this guy doesn't really have any other offers. It's like Presbyterian or like, you know, Emory and Henry, or it's like D2 schools for some of these people. And so I'm like, okay. So then I'm like, okay, these guys are all PWOs, like preferred walk-ons. So it was funny because, like, I see a, a, a slew of, like, four or five or six preferred walk-ons, and, like, in their in – their, like little bio or whatever they're all like all state or all region like some of these kids are pretty big kids like the kid from memphis we got was like 6'3 215 another one was like you know like 6'2 220 and like they're all all region or all state or good players and i'm assuming that they just didn't get scholarship offers because of maybe they weren't fast enough or maybe they only played one year or whatever the case might be and I'm like, well, dang, it looks like we're getting some pretty good PWOs, which is, is can only help. I mean, I don't want to be a program that we're talking about preferred walk-ons, but since there were so many of them this, this turnaround, like, that just means there's good practice players. And, like, there's always a story, multiple stories every year about a guy who started as a walk-on and is now is a really good player, whether he's, you know, a linebacker or a quarterback or what you – or an offensive lineman maybe, like, there's plenty of – I mean, just at, at UT, we had Jacob Gillenham a couple of years ago. Now Dane Davis, I guess, was a start – was started his career as a walk-on. And so it's like, you know, are those guys going to become All-Americans or All-Conference players? I don't know, but it's good uh, to have I think, I think uh, Swafford was a preferred walk-on too, coming from Dobbins Bennett. He had, oh, a, yeah. Yeah. he had a touchdown on a block punt. He had a pick six versus Florida in the swamp, like – I mean, yeah, that stuff can People, work out. I actually I forgot about him actually, but yeah, there's there's so many, and so it's neat that a these guys are getting opportunities, and like you said, 
then you even go – so it's like they're going to be good practice players. Maybe that they uh, end up getting on special teams, you know, help building depth, whatever. And if you have a guy who's a good enough preferred walk-on that that you don't have to use a scholarship for and he can run down on kickoff and make a tackle and then you got, you know, you're saving, you know, Tate McCullough or Trey Flowers, you know, a safety who doesn't have to run down on kickoff anymore. He can he can rest and be ready to go for ready. Uh, this is just ready. like, you know, I think it was 2016 when Jalen Reeves-Maven was on kickoff or was on punt and he hurt yes. his shoulder trying to make a tackle right. and everybody was like, why in the hell is our best defensive player on punt? And I always said, like, the you put the best players out there. I, I, like, I don't right. care if you're a starter or not, but that's a prime example. Like, that helps, like, preventing injuries of your star guys, putting in younger guys who can still do it. Like, Jalen Reeves may have started his career on special teams. Special teams. He right. wasn't a star. Like, and he killed it on special teams. He was the one who got the block versus Georgia. Um, in that 2014 game, so or 13, yeah, 13 game. Um, so it, I I love it. Like you said, I think yeah. it's awesome that we can get some more preferred walk-ons, and because all it does is help, it does not yes. harm us in any way. Right, and so then you go from those guys to a guy like Shannon Blair, and I'm like, I've heard about Shannon because he's in this area, he played at West and all that. I actually never, like, saw him play in person. I think Catholic maybe played West, like, two years ago, but I, I didn't see it. I don't think it was on TV, so I didn't get to watch it or catch it. But I went back and watched his highlight film, too. And, like, I'm pretty sure I only watched his junior year, so I didn't even see his senior year. Dude is a legit baller. Like, you get why he had offers to Michigan State, who was just a top five or top ten team, he had offers to like Duke and he had um, like he had multiple other offers and and I can pull him up to, to like other division one offers. But then I watch his highlight film and he's just the first thing I say is just a good fluid athlete. But but he's not just a good athlete like he's a good football player, like the way that he uses his angles and his body and how he plays the ball on defensive back, I was very impressed with. Very, very impressed with. Like, there was a couple, like, he used some super nice veteran moves where a guy came off the line and was about to, he kind of, like, released inside, was about to try to get back on Shannon's outside. Shannon just gives him a nice little two-hand shove, doesn't hold, doesn't anything, just a nice little baby tap shove, gets him off his route a little bit, and that gives Shannon time to get back there. He runs with him, makes a pick. Uh, receiver, it was a joke. Like, they'd get him the ball. And, like, it was, like, AK style where it was, like, he's a smaller guy, so you're, like, he's getting good hits, and you think, oh, that should bring him down. And then the next thing you know, he just kind of, like, he just, like, twinkle toes his way out, and he's just kind of, like, lackadaisical running because he just ran by everybody in the last eight yards. He just kind of takes his time to get in the end zone. Like, I was very, very impressed with his natural athletic ability, his feet, his balance, and just, like, it looked very effortless for him. And yeah, so – I think his vision was crazy too, just like watching yes. those returns. Like he just, I mean, no one was touching him because he yes. could set up the blocks how he wanted. And it was the same thing when he get a pick. You're like, oh, he's about to take this back because now he's got, you know, slow offensive linemen out there. There's no way they're going to get him. And he has such great vision as a, a semi-offensive player. Um, I Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think he's, I think he's very fluid, like you said. Very fluid, very, very fluid. And, like, 
and another thing about it is too, it's like the fact that he turned down other Division One offers that were full rides to stay here. And I really hope. I mean, I'm assuming that the the the, the coach are like, hey, bro, we got you. Like, we'll handle this. Like, you, we'll take care of your tuition some way or the other. And like by spring, or by like fall or whatever, like you're gonna be on scholarship. Like you are a scholarship guy. Like we're gonna take care of you. Yeah. Um, and it's it's great. I mean, West High School. If he lives anywhere close to West High School, it's literally like five minutes. Literally like five minutes to campus. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, like he is he is literally staying home. His parents, his family, friends, all those people are gonna be able to see him. And I really think the kid is is gonna be able to help Tennessee at some point. And I actually think he'd probably been a four star if he was just a little bit bigger because he is a pretty narrow guy. Mm-hmm. But the dude, the dude's a baller. He's a player. So and these are hey, the kind of guys you want on your team because. It- it's obvious that he cares for Tennessee. Like you don't, you don't pick a preferred walk on over a scholarship. If you just are picking a random school, but you would, if you're like, I always wanted to play at Tennessee. I was always a fan growing up. Like that hometown connection is real with him. Yeah. I mean, and that, that even speaks to the couple of those kids in Memphis that were like good players that are coming as preferred walk-ons. And I think, they had like a chance to walk on at Memphis or walk on at like Arkansas State, which you're like Arkansas State. Well, Arkansas State's, you know, an hour and a half away from Memphis or whatever the actual distance is. These kids are coming six hours across mm-hmm. the state because the power of the T is still the most important thing. Like they could be going to Memphis, which is still a pretty good football program. Um, they're in their own city. And they're like, no, nah, I'll see. You. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to UT because it's UT. Yeah, it's and so I thought, I thought that was, I thought that was, you know, it's neat to see that. Yeah, exactly. Um, do do you have any more recruiting stuff, or do you want to jump into basketball? No, I do. Listen, we talked about Jason Jenkins the last the last go around, and like I told you guys, like I, I hate being harsh on kids. It was it was really one of the worst highlight films that I had seen. Like, and I told you if we had done it that day that I first watched that number that one highlight tape, it would have been atrocious. But like. The fact that, you know, I've gone back and watched some more of it, it is like – I'm not going to sit here and tell people, like, it went from zero to hero, but it, it is better than that first one I saw. And so that's good. You brought it up a long podcast ago. Hey, if we can see some improvement, that means you're working. That means you're developing. That means you're getting better. So, hey, that's a good thing. And, you know, I do like that he's he plays kind of angry. He does feel – it's just like – Hey, you got to, you know, the things that we already mentioned, you got to stay low. You got to play a little bit faster. His hands aren't terrible. Um, but, but then again, I got to give some more credit on some of his offers, like Boston College, Indiana, Missouri, Pitt, um, you know, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, West Virginia. All those are, I mean, those are, those are fine offers. And then he did take a visit to Florida, like, I guess right before he committed to us. Now, technically, they didn't offer him, and it says they didn't technically offer him, which they might not have think that, that they were going to get him they wouldn't have brought him down there if they didn't want to maybe have him but so I want to give him a little bit more credit um and like I said I hit I'm not I don't really know the names of some of these other preferred walk on the stuff but one thing I will tell you talking about recruiting and talking about the transport portal I got really intrigued earlier this week and I was watching tv and I was just kind of laying there playing on my phone and I went to rivals and I went to the team rankings Well, when you go to a team ranking, if you scroll all the way to the bottom, it'll show you transfers. And I don't know if you've looked at this. I'm assuming but some of our listeners have looked at this and seen this, but it'll show you guys who transferred in. 
And so I got really interested going to like the top like 15 schools. And I'm like, I want to see how many transfers they had. You know, like Georgia, I don't think like, I think they maybe had one, if not any. And like Bama maybe had like one or two. But like a lot of the other schools were still bringing in like a good number of transfers. And it's cool because Rivals has what their star rankings are when they're in high school and then what their star ranking would be as a transfer. So I just thought it was really neat to see like who's going where, like what 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 these rankings are. And I would I would advise like if that's something that people like to do, like go and look at those things. Um, and and I'd say all that to say I actually thought Tennessee maybe would have potentially used it a little bit more um, because there were some teams that had like six, seven, eight guys like coming in and, you know, that were from like good SEC or other or other power five schools, um, you know, and I'm actually pulling it up right now as we speak. And I'll, you know, I'll read off, you know, we already know um, that we've talked about, I'm scrolling it in right now, it's loading, but I just want to make sure. So we already talked about Gerald Nancy, which I was fired up to get an offensive lineman with good size from Florida. We get Navy Shuler from Appy State. Like, I don't know if Navy's ever going to play here. Like, you, you never know. I mean, it is what it is. But then the, we got Charlie Browder, which I haven't watched his film yet, but I'm going to. He's the tight end, you know, six seven tight end from UCF. And then Jackson Hanna. Like, I'll, I'll watch these highlights, and then we'll talk about them next pod. Um, but, like, a linebacker that's 6'3", 220 from Nebraska who's a three-star, bro, I'm definitely taking that, especially at linebacker, which is a point of need with a kid with good size. So it's just like it's really neat to look at that and to kind of be able to see what teams have really used it and what teams are like, no, nah, like we're good the way we are. So I don't know. I just I just think it's pretty, you know, pretty fascinating and, and pretty cool to, to look at. Yeah, I think it's still going to stay the same that recruiting guys out of high school is going to be seen as more important than transfer guys. Just like the NFL is the draft is way more important than free agent signings and all that kind of stuff. Like teams are way more concerned with draft capital than they are with, you know, trying to sign a guy in free agency. So um, I think it'll stay that way. I think that the actual bringing in guys from high school and developing them is always going to be more important, but if you need a quick fix on your team, like, just being able to find a guy from another school who maybe didn't get the chance that he wanted or, or didn't like the coach, like it is so valuable and can make such a huge difference year to year. Look at Michigan state. I mean, they won four games last year. Like it, it really turned around the transfer portal and him bringing in those guys like turned their, their program around from last year to this year. You know, Kyler, I might actually disagree with you a little bit in the fact of, I would say the draft is like high school, like the draft in the NFL is like getting high school recruits. But I would say free agency is almost like sometimes JUCO kids. But I feel like if you get transfer portal kids that are not necessarily grad transfers, but like we got DeJon Terry, like he's got four, like he had, like when he came in, he had four years of eligibility remain. Like that's a lot of years. I mean, that is like a high mm -hmm. school kid. So I actually think, that until maybe they do some adaptation to it, put some rules on it, like the transfer portal can be almost as important because you go, holy crap, I've seen this guy play in college. And I know it might not be at the level or this conference, but like the dude can still play. Like mm -hmm. he's still a good player. And so like, I think that the main thing that people have to remember is you're accumulating talent and however you can get it, you can get it. Whether you're like the Rams and the NFL and they're in the, in the playoffs 
earned there in the Super Bowl, excuse me, and they went out and they they went through free agency and trades, you know, and they got their monster teams. And then, you know, then you have the, the Bengals who did it through the draft and they got some, you know, some of their good pieces like Trey Hendrickson was in free agency. So I think it's both. I think you just got to get the best players you can get. Um, so I may I may disagree, but okay. So I'm looking at Jackson Hanna. I didn't know this, but he went to NBA in Nashville, um, and I guess signed with Nebraska. I don't know why he signed with Nebraska, but dude's offer list was legit coming out of high school: Alabama, Arkansas, Cal, Duke, Florida, LSU, Memphis, Mississippi State, North Carolina, Ole Miss, Oregon, Purdue. I mean, Wisconsin, Tennessee. Dude had an offer list like so. I'm gonna watch his highlights probably actually during while you're talking because now I'm excited to see him. But like that—that's a nice get up. Like he—he'll be a guy that I'll be—I'll be excited to see when we go to spring practice. Yeah, especially a defensive guy. Defensive guy in a in a position of need. Yes. So sorry to interrupt, but we got to shout out another sponsor. This one is Masterworks. So Masterworks is an investing platform that lets you buy shares representing an investment in art like Picasso, Monet, and even Warhol. And art prices are actually outpaced the SP 500 by 164% from 1992 to 2022. In fact, every investor's already received over 30% IRR in 2021 and 2022 alone, with the sale of just two paintings. Uh, this is your opportunity to join 300,000 other members and invest like the GOAT. Plus, you get a priority access with our game day promo. So go to masterworks.art slash believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, and check it out. Get that little promo going. Uh, see important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. Um, so go check it out, Masterworks. Uh, all right, yeah, so we'll, we'll, let's jump into basketball. Let's do it. What we saw over this past, two, this past week where we were so down in the dumps after the Texas loss, literally recording the podcast and rattled off two wins or six a.m. in South Carolina. I cannot get over the huge difference. Like literally looks like a completely different team versus that Texas squad and versus Texas A&M and versus South Carolina, like completely different. Um, and I don't know if that Texas game was really just like a smack in the face, like, Hey, wake your ass up. We got to go out there and play. But like overall shooting percentage is higher. The overall effort is higher. Um, the guy we talked about, uh, Olivier, what, however you say it. Olivier Kumwa. Kumwa. Just insane. Like alley-oops, uh, getting rebound, tough, you know, just completely different. And that Texas game, like watching that Texas game alone, you would think he was a bad player. If you just watch that game and then you watch these next two, and I don't know if there's that much of a difference in, you know, playing at Texas or going against Texas's talent. I really don't think they're that much of a better team than Texas A&M or, or South Carolina. And yet it was a complete turnaround. This is almost like a, a downside of, of basketball is it can literally go up and down in – insane like crazy up and down throughout this throughout the season where you play great versus this team and then suck for this because people can get hot where I feel like football is a little more consistent like you can kind of know who's going to win these games 
But basketball, I mean, it's a it's a crapshoot, really. Like when you're going into a game, you don't know who's going to come out the victor. Like it, there's upsets way more often in in basketball than there is in football. He's still okay. watching his tapes. <laughs> Dude, first off, I am fired up about Jackson, bro. This is my guy. I just watched this, some of these highlights while you were just rambling on about nonsense. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so first <laughs> hey, off. Hey, don't, don't start with that. You know how the fans feel about your rambles. <laughs> you actually weren't You actually weren't rambling. I was just I, – I said that, but I used a poor choice of words because I tossed you a soft – a soft lobber over home plate to go ahead and just knock it out of the park. But um, so what made, what was exciting, what Texas A&M was kind of like, okay, it is what it is. Like I, like I said, the last pod, we're going to beat the teams that we should probably beat and then maybe lose to some of the teams we're supposed to lose. But South Carolina yesterday, that was finally made me say, you know what? Maybe I am, I will get excited a little bit more in March. Maybe I and it'll be because there is a glimmer of hope in the fact of they can be this good. And it takes me back. I I, I talk about him all the time on here. Uh, Ryan Rosillo, when when he and Scott Van Pelt would do SVP and Rosillo radio show, they always had a segment like, "How good is your good? How how good is your good? You know what I mean?" Like when when Kyler when Kyler Curbison plays his best football, it is better than when Reed Bacon plays his best football because of the level of talent and athletic ability and stuff like that. So how good is your good? Now you could go out there one day and you might not play as good, and I play better, and so my level of play that day might be more important to the team than yours was, even though you're a better player. And so I love that they talk about how good you're good, kind of how how big is your ceiling. Well, I never thought this team had that much of a ceiling. To where I was like, in you know, a hopeful of a big upset. Like, oh, when Kentucky comes in, like we always give them a, a run for their money. Can we beat them? Or when Auburn and Bruce come in, can we beat them? And then it's like, well, when we get to the tournament, or, or do we even have the capability to play to a potential to get to a Sweet 16? Well, that, that team that we saw the other day, because guess what? They're hitting shots. Like, wow, how, how much of a shocker. Like, basketball's putting the ball in the hoop. Like, you make your shots, your team looks a hell of a lot different. And so, taking that team, and I asked some guys, my, my guys I play a bunch of Xbox with, and I'm like, guys, like, all big basketball fans, like, you know, there's always five or six of us on. I'm like, you saw that team the other night, or tonight, we, we were playing later that night. I said, the, the team that you saw today, if they play like that, how do you think they could do? And some of them, like, I think they go to Sweet 16. Like, if we played Alabama, and uh, or if we played uh, Auburn and Kentucky here in, in Thompson Bowling Arena, and they maybe don't play as good, and we play that good, yeah, we can beat them. So it's kind of like – it's kind of giving you that little bit of glimmer of hope that if they reach their full potential, that they could make a, maybe a little bit of noise. And I'll be honest with you, Kyler, if we if, – if we if Rick Barnes got, gets – he'll get to the tournament. But when we get to the tournament, if they somehow either won or made the tournament or made to the tournament championship game in the SEC tournament or make the Sweet 16, I would say that's a very successful year. And the last part of this rambling for me will be Josiah Jordan James, as hard as I was on him on the last podcast, he finally, finally made it look like uh, he looked like a five-star. And it wasn't just because he was knocking down shots, but it was the shots that he was knocking down and how he did it. He hit some threes. I love to see that he did some beats of guys off the dribble. One of them, he beat off the dribble, pulled up, mid-range, whap, 
you know, like taking somebody to the rack. He's going to play good defense. And I was like, wow, like if he plays that good, you know Ziegler's bringing it every week. You know KC Kenny Chandler's just super talented and he's going to bring it. He, You know, he plays hard. Um, Vescovi, a.k.a. Vescovi, like he's probably one of our best offensive players consistently and best shooters. So it's like if you have Josiah Jordan-James playing like that with those other three and getting any play from our big men down low, you know, the team the team could could make us proud at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, if they play their best, they play their ceiling. I mean, they could have close games versus Auburn and versus Kentucky. Correct. Um, I think also, like, the SEC, and it's always been like a football powerhouse, is starting to turn into a basketball powerhouse. And like, I got, I, I got to agree. I got to disagree with you again. I think it's been a, a basketball powerhouse for a little bit, well, for a while, honestly. I think for the past four, five, six, seven, eight years, it's been good. So, I mean, I think it's – yeah, I think it's been good, but it was always talked about as Kentucky and everyone else. And and no one really talked about – like maybe last year two years ago it was Alabama. Everybody was talking about – Auburn had to run the Final Four. Florida's yeah, been good. I, I LSU think, I two think, years ago. I'm, I'm not saying that – like I think – I think they're you're, great. You're saying, now, you're saying now it's the best basketball conference which it probably is. Yes. And you're saying in the past it was just one of the better ones but not the best because of the ACC or whatever. Yeah, and everybody had like ACC biased. And, you know, it was – Gonzaga was always there. You know, Baylor was always there. Uh, Kansas. Like people talk about the Big 12. No one was really thinking of SEC as basketball conference. But now where it is, it's like you're playing a competition versus Bama, Kentucky, LSU – Auburn, Al, you know, just Arkansas. I'm Arkansas. Telling you, bro, I'm telling you, the past three to five years, it's still been the best conference, probably depth wise. So, with that, it almost makes you feel better once you get to the tournament if you're playing a team that's not SEC that you just went through this gauntlet in the regular season and in the SEC tournament. And we have done that. That you know, you go play Virginia, who's has the same amount of losses as you, or something like that. You're like well, they're not better than this Auburn team I played or this Kentucky team or this LSU team. Like, we can beat them. Um, so, overall, just, like, our conference being better helps us going deeper into tournaments um, and being able to compete with those other teams. Oh, absolutely. It gets you so battle-tested. I mean, they were talking about that just the other day. Like, And that's what I was saying past three to five years. I mean – if you got to play in Arkansas, you got to play in Auburn, you got to play Alabama, you got to play Kentucky. You got, I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, a lot of these teams are good. The one, the only ones that I really haven't been that, that good have been like Georgia and funny to bring them up because they don't, they actually should have beaten Auburn yesterday. And then you got like a South Carolina team, which is always going to play hard because Frank Martin's a good coach. He had them in the final four back in 2016, maybe or 17. And then, you know, um, so, so all these teams, like, yeah, I think it's a very good conference basketball-wise. And it was just – it was refreshing, man. It was just nice to finally see this team be like, okay, if they do play their best, like, they can maybe make some noise in this in this tournament. You know, and it's just it – just, I think, for me, a lot of this stuff, too, was just the lack of feeling like we really had our chance and we let it slip with those other teams that we've had in the past years. And, like, I brought up already when we lost to – sister Jean and we lost to Purdue and then last year we get bounced early. So it was kind of like three years of like, well, we just, we just, we had our best team and we didn't do anything with it. Like those were our chances to make a final four or make it to the, to, to the championship game. 
And, and the funny thing is, basketball is like – it's the hardest one to win a championship. So you just feel like as a fan, you're like you really have to take advantage of those shots. Because in football, like if you're pretty good, like you're going to have some – you're going to have some shots kind of year in and year out, uh, especially playing in the SEC. But basketball is just so, so difficult because of the, the size of the turning. Yeah, exactly. And so, like I said, it's so up and down. You have no idea who's going to show up on that court each day. So, um, all right, let's hop into some of these uh, senior bowls. So we got the Reese's Senior Bowl, and then we got the East-West Shrine Bowl game. Now I know people want us to talk about, you know, the UT guys that were there and how we think they performed and how that would affect, you know, their draft stock moving forward, what they're going to be able to do. Um, I think I honestly like watching over the games, you know, catching clips of practices and stuff like that. And I don't know if you'll agree with this take, but I think the practices leading up to the game are way more important than the game. Yeah, Yes. Yes. Like way yes. more important because coaches are more concerned, like, how, how hard of a worker are you? How much do you like to compete? You know, what uh, – How are your reps? How are your reps? How are your one-on-ones? Where's your technique? When you're doing individual drills, are you, you know, taking in what the coach is giving you? Like, that kind of stuff is way more important than, like, oh, you beat a guy on a route during the game and, you know, maybe he didn't have the best technique. Like, it's almost, hey, now go have fun. Like you were doing your interview the, that entire week for for all these coaches and scouts. Now the game comes. It's like just go out there and have fun. Um, so I don't know if that really tells us a lot. But especially the Reese's Bowl, like I think we our guys performed great. I mean, Alante had a pick. Bayless was having big like first down grabbing catches. And Cade got to play guard which is where exactly where he should be playing. And I think he realizes it. The coaches realize it. Everyone's like, you're going to be a guard in the NFL. You're not going to be a tackle. So I, it was good to see that, you know, he probably had the entire week practicing at guard. Um, so I'm glad he's back to his natural position. How did you – did you get to watch? And, and how did you think Kate performed? I thought he performed well. I mean, the plays that I – like, I never saw him uh, overextend on pass pro. Uh, It was – like, there was a lot of pressure on – was it Sam Howell, that quarterback for North Carolina, which I think his stock went up from this game. But there was a lot of pressure on him. None of it was coming from Cade. Uh, I thought he passed off games very well. He had a great punch to – um, you know, when those defensive linemen are switching, you have to almost hand off your guy if he's first to the guy next to you. So you have to get a good extension, good punch to hand him off to the next guy. And then the other guy comes around, and you pick him up. I thought he did great on that. Um, and I thought, I mean, it says a lot to who starts the game. Kate started the game. Like the five guys that started the game, they were seen as the five best linemen there. So that definitely bodes well in Cade's favor just to be like, yes, he started this game. Yes, he's been at his natural position. Yes, he is a good player. Um, I mean, like I said, my only concern with Cade was his injuries, was 
coaches not giving him a shot or not taking a chance on him because they're afraid he's going to get hurt because he has had a lot of injuries in the past. His play is not a question. So I thought I thought I thought he did very well in this game. What about uh, what about BJ and 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 um, Amante? Yeah. yeah, so I, I loved Velas. I thought, you know, I saw some clips from practice, too, with him one-on-ones. He actually had one where he beat Alante. Um, I, and you know who he kind of reminds me of is Amari, Amari Rogers. Now, there might be yeah. some PTSD for some of the Tennessee fans, but uh, they're both a little more squatty, thicker. They're fast, but they don't necessarily look fast. Like, you're almost tricked into their speed. And they're just damn reliable, man. Like, Bayless seemed like the reliable receiver for those quarterbacks that they could just go to him if they need to get rid of the ball or they need a first down. Like, they can always go to Bayless. And that, like, quarterbacks around the NFL will see that and be like, yes, like, I like that guy. I like that I can trust him to make the catch that if stuff breaks down, he's working with me. Um so I thought he did great. I thought he did exactly what he needed to do. And like I said, practice is more important than the game. He did well in the game. I don't know everything he did at practice, but the few things I saw, he was breaking fools off in one-on-ones. And that's obviously an offensive-minded, uh, you know, offensive-minded uh, period where, you know, DVs on his heels, like it's very hard to cover that. But I still think he did a very good job. Um I love, you know, I like Alante a lot. Uh, that was great for him to get a pick. Uh, the announcers were like, he got beat on it, but still came back to get the pick. I don't necessarily agree with that because there was a safety over top. And it's as a corner, you're like, I can play underneath. I can let him get a little bit of leverage and make him think he's open, make the quarterback think he's open, almost a lurk, and then get that pick. Um, one thing he does have to get better at is knowing he's not down. He literally stood up to like show out and the safety was like, run, dude, no one touched you. So he's got to get used to NFL rules. But, you know, that was great for Alante because I think Alante is very much under the radar, not seen as a big time grab, but that kind of play will definitely help him moving forward and kind of show that like, yeah, I can, I can play in this league. So, um, okay, I, do you want to finish off and talk about East-West Shrine and that one, and then I'll jump into all of it as well, too? Or No, I mean, if you want to talk about the Reese's one first, then we can do East-West. Correct, okay. Um, Alante is still the one that is the most intriguing to me uh, because, like we've said a thousand times, like he has the attributes. He has the speed. He has the size. He has all that. But I always will go back to that story I told from the guy that I played with in Memphis, Torian Nixon was his name. He came into my class. He won the state 100 meters in the state of Louisiana. Dude could go. But why was it that he constantly got beat deep in practice or in whatever? Like, and I'm not saying he didn't end up having a good career. Like, he ended up playing some at Memphis and then transferred back home to Tulane and got drafted in the NFL, had a shot. He didn't really stick. But that, that's that's not a knock. Did not mean you're not good. I mean, the NFL is the best of the best. But I say all that to say, like, if you have those tools, how, like, where is it your eyes? 
Is it your um, football IQ? Like what constantly is getting you ran by, by someone who is not as physically gifted as you? And so he, he was, Alante was beat on that. Then again, or at least from what it looks like, he was beat. The guy was past him. Now, like you said, like what was the coverage? Was he, was he, hey, you know, it could have been a cover two where he's, you know, playing deep, and then when he sees he doesn't have anything underneath, okay, then he makes fly on the ball, or maybe it was man, or maybe it was cover three, whatever the case would be. I don't know. It was good to see him make a play on the ball and to be athletic, and he's going to get a lot of opportunities in the – well, he's going to get enough opportunities for a chance to stick because of his speed, his size, and his ability. So I will be very interested to see how he does. I'm not going to lie to the people and say that I watched – every snap of his and all that and broke down the film and all that. I did not. I watched some of the game. I saw some of the clips. And from what I – like, obviously, it's great to have a pick. I mean, it's an all-star game and you get an interception. Like, that, that's, that's, a, that's a major plus. Um, but, but I didn't get to see, like, every play and break down. Um, for VJ, um, he's just really good. And, and if you'd asked me this a year ago, I wouldn't have said, yeah, he's really good because – he came from, from USC. He's a return specialist. And then we don't really use him with Pruitt. But then again, like we didn't really use many people offensively after <laughs> when I when we did our when we did our uh, season review and I was reading some of those stats, I was like, holy moly, like that team was really bad, especially offensively with Pruitt. But anyway, so you know, to, to see BJ come out this year and to like make the plays that he make, and like I said, like he's just really good with the ball in his hand. Like He's like you said, Amari, like they kind of have that same build. Like he kind of reminded me, I just watched his highlight tape of Shannon Blair, like just guys, it just seems effortless. Like they're just, when they have the ball in their hands, like good things happen. And, uh, but one thing that I did notice with, with, with uh, BJ was like his, some of his routes, like some of those highlights I watched, like not the one necessarily where he beat uh, Alante, but he beat another guy practice, like he cooked him. And he like, he got to the top of the route and, he beat the guy so bad that the guy was in position. What I mean by that was like the route was taking him back outside. Well, he cooked the guy and was inside. So now he has the guy, he, he has the guy on his inside or his outside and he needs to get back outside. And it was like, he did so good getting inside that now he put him back. And so he just fake kind of did one step fake nod. Like he was about to break it off for a post and then came back on a corner route. And it's just like, it was silly. Like it was very smooth, very fluid. He's got good hands. So, for him, I think he's going to have a good chance and a good shot. But once again, for him, it's like there's so many good receivers. There are so many good receivers that come out of college football. It's like he's going to have to make the most of his opportunity. Think about how good Marquez Callaway was at UT. And then, like, I think he was undrafted or whatever, late-round draft pick. And, like, he stuck with the New Orleans Saints because he made the most of his opportunities. That's what's so scary about football, and that's why it can be so stressful and so anxious because, like, we've both been in these situations. Like, I remember going to camps, and there's three or 400 kids at the camp. Well, how the F am I supposed to stand out? 300, 400 kids, A, we're not – you know, we're not in pads, so I can't blast somebody. I'm not the fastest. I'm not the biggest. And you got three reps, maybe. And, like, you have to do something special in those three reps. And, like, my best camp ended up being, like, the ones that I made the best, you know, I made two or three plays and a coach came and noticed me. And then I got more and more reps when we did seven on seven. So it was like, that's what's so crazy about it. And so it's like, I'm very intrigued by all three of these guys. 
because Cade, we know he's a baller. Can he stay healthy? Alante, he has the attributes. Can he just put it all together? And BJ, like, will he just take make the most of his opportunities? Because the wide receiver, wide receivers are just like, bro. I mean, it's there's so many of them from so many different schools. And so it's just a really tough way to make it. Now, anyways, now that I've talked about those guys, let's go to the East-West Shrine game and go ahead and say what you thought or what you got to see or, or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't get to see much. I did not watch much of the game. I ch- tried to watch um, some highlights and stuff, but I think it said a lot how much Matthew Butler and Theo Jackson played, uh, how they really didn't come out of the game. They were in the whole time. Um, I think those guys, like, they're just so consistent and such good players. I, I, I don't know why – you know, the East-West is seen kind of as like a second tier to the Senior Bowl, the Reese's Senior Bowl. I don't know why they're more under that radar because, like, I'm telling you, like, I – maybe Valus I would pick over those two, but not Alante and not Cade. Like, even though I'm an offensive lineman, like, I would pick Matthew over Cade. Uh, I think he has more value. And, and Theo is just – I mean, I've said it multiple times, like, I – he was close to MVP for me on the defensive side of the ball. So and I, I think they're great young guys, four to six, and whoever gets them, they're going to end up starting for them. And it's going to be like Shy Tuttle. It's going to be like uh, Emmanuel Mosley, uh, Justin Coleman there for a little bit. Um, it, like so many guys that aren't seen as, as good, but – I mean, Marcus Callaway, like you just said, Juwan Jennings, um, Trey Smith, for God's sakes. Like, guys just, like, aren't seen as such great players from Tennessee. I know, like, the stigma or something on them, but they go in the NFL and ball out and become starters. Like, that's not that's not a common thing for someone to be the late-round pick and become a starter. Um so I think that I think that's what's going to happen. I don't I don't know if it really improved their stock so much because I think teams that are watching that East West game are thinking to themselves, okay, I got to find the diamond in the rough. I got to find the one that no one else is really talking about that no one else notices and steal it from them, um, and not necessarily like, oh, I found my first round pick here. So, <clears throat> uh, like I said, didn't watch all of it but made me feel good that I saw them in the first quarter and I saw them in the fourth quarter. I, you, you hit the nail on the head. I'm so happy you brought this up because I'm going to be honest with you. I saw a clip on Twitter and it was talking about Matthew Butler dominating at practice. I'm like, Oh, shocker. Like he's explosive. He's got great hands. He dumped like he's got everything that you want in a, in a defense tackle. And then I'm like, I, and I see the tweet. Well, then I'm getting ready and I see another tweet about him and I'm like, wait, what? He's at the East West shrine. I said, what the fuck is this? I was like, I thought he was at the Reese's. And so I'm like, well, dang. And it's like you said, the, the Reese's is the one that's more known. It's the bigger one. And then I'm like, wait, and Theo's there with him? And so it's kind of like the point you made. I'm like, bro, these two boys are much more deserving than Alante or Cade and probably BJ, to be honest with you. But it got me thinking. I was like, well, the Reese's is more not about – what you did in college, you were a good player in college, but it's more about how you translate to the NFL. And that's, and that's why those guys were there because 
Alante does have better gifts and, and natural attributes than Theo does with like size and speed and body. And so it's not how good were they in Tennessee. It's how do we think they're going to translate to the NFL? Same thing with Cade. Like Cade's maybe overall career wasn't as good, but dude is an absolute freak show gift, you know, naturally gifted. So that's why he's there. The other thing is, is I feel like it, at least a defensive tackle, because I'm not going to I'm not going to take away from Alante. Corner is a huge deal in the draft. So if they thought he was good enough to come, then that's a good sign for him. Same thing with offensive linemen. Now he's not a tackle, but still guards are are important. And they brought Kate, even though maybe like we're saying, we thought that they how they played statistically uh, and career wise, they should have been the other one. But the thing for about Matthew Butler, I think it's because the overwhelming depth at defensive tackle but also because he's just not a household name and like he wasn't necessarily a household name I think I I really do think that he could potentially become I'm not gonna say household name in the NFL but like a good player who who makes it for a couple years and plays and um and so yeah I think that was just a great point that you made about the two games now one thing I noticed is they have Theo back at safety so I think I think that was good for Theo to get some run at, at actual true safety from what I watched and saw, I thought he played well. I thought he played fine. Um, I, I'm very interested, like, to see if Theo gets drafted. I, we will talk about these guys again uh, when we do the breakdown of, of, um, of um, Pro Day. And we'll see the numbers and we'll see all these things and what they put up. And, you know, and, and hopefully we can get their numbers and, and go over things. But we'll see how he tests. We definitely think that he's an inside slot corner you know, maybe potentially safety. He's not an outside corner. So we'll see where he gets thrown and gets a chance in the NFL. But, uh, man, Matthew Butler, from what I saw, I saw some practice reps. And then I, when I turned on the game and watched it, I kid you not, the first play that I see, he gets in the backfield, disrupts it, beats his guy. The next play, he's seven or eight yards downfield getting in on a tackle. Like his effort and that motor and those hands – and there's just you just can't not have a guy like that who constantly gets pressure from interior because so much of of that now is like not only are interior guys asked to hold up blocks and eat up the run game like there's so much more passing in the league now you got to get pressure from your inside guys and so that's why well, that, that, that that pressure from the inside affects quarterbacks way more than edge rushers and I agree. edge rushers I are agree. seen as like you know end all be all but Bro, Aaron Donald, the fact that he's up where the quarterback wants to step up and throw, he's right there in his face. Like, that makes all the difference compared to, to someone coming around the edge. The quarterback literally just makes one step and avoids him. I, or yeah, the even, value. Or doesn't even see him. Or doesn't see him. Yeah. So therefore, so, therefore, it doesn't really affect him. Like, we're at home watching, like, oh, my gosh, Von Miller almost got another strip sack. Well, it doesn't matter because they just got to complete 15 yards because – you know, Ryan Tannehill never saw him coming or, 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 or XYZ quarterback never saw him coming. So that's why, and I agree with you, that's why you've seen guys in the interior get these bigger deals. And that's why guys, like I'm just going to name a bunch of them, but like you said, AD, Aaron Donald. That's why Chris Jones was such a big deal for the Chiefs run the past couple of years. That's why my man Jeffrey Simmons is such a massive, massive piece for what the Titans do. It's the same reason Albert Hainsworth got paid $100 million because his contract year at the Tennessee Titans when we went 14-2 and two, he was an absolute monster coming right up the middle. Then you got guys like was in San Francisco who just got put out. They got DeForest Buckner. 
like you, you know, like he got paid in free agency. Like it's not just guys on the outside, like these guys on the inside, Calais Campbell's Cam Hayward of the world's like, it's just as important, man. It's just as important. And um, when you can disrupt a quarterback and he doesn't have a place to step up to, like you said, really affects the pocket passing too. Cause you get your scuttle bugs and scat backs that can get out and make a throw in the, on the outside. But when you got your pure pocket passers and they don't have a pocket, it's tough. Yeah. Very tough. Very tough. Um, I will, I will, I will be interested to see how all of these guys though do at, uh, at certain pro days or, you know, combines or wherever they go to. Yeah. I think, I think most of them will be where we expect them to be strength and speed wise. I think, Theo, Valus, and Alante are not going to run the speed that they want. Um, you know, if they're in the four fours, perfect. That's exactly what every scout wants. But I do not see them as four four guys. Um, there, it's funny too because Alante and Velas both got fastest uh, for our respective day. Like I think, like Velas hit. Oh like yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he hit like twenty-one miles an hour. Yeah, he hit like twenty-one miles an hour, and Alante hit like twenty-one or twenty-two miles an hour, and so it was like, you know, which is great to see because that's their on-field speed. But people still look at the forties, and I agree with you, Kyler. I actually think Alante. I think Alante will hit four-four. I think VJ will hit like low four-fives. I actually think Theo will probably be like a four-six guy, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll see. And then obviously we'll see how Matthew and Kay do in their ten-yard splits. I think I think Alante with his longer legs is what's going to help him with that speed. Um, I think I think I think he'll I think he'll hit four four. I really do. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, I hope so. Okay, so sorry to interrupt, but we have another ad. Uh, this one is NordVPN. So for any of those people out there who really just want to expand their watching experience, uh, we know we have a lot of great shows on the Netflix on the HBOs. But sometimes there's good shows in other countries. Um, actually, when when I was up in Canada playing for the CFL for a cup of coffee, I couldn't watch Game of Thrones because I was in Canada. It was only on HBO USA. So I had to use a VPN to watch Game of Thrones when it was coming out. Um, so VPNs are awesome for checking out all that kind of stuff that you really wouldn't usually get in your country. Also, it can help if you're trying to stream a game. If you're living down in Florida and you want to catch a Nashville, you know, you want to catch a Titans game up here in Nashville, they're going to show you the Dolphins game. But if you change that VPN, if you change your location, you can watch that Titans game. It's very, very valuable. So NordVPN is the place to go if you really want to be able to change your location and take advantage of these streaming platforms and get every single thing that you can out of them. So to grab your exclusive offer from NordVPN, go to nordvpn.com slash believe and use the code believe, B-L-E-A-V, and get 70% off your NordVPN plan, 70% off um, with one additional month for free. I mean, talk about a deal, 70% off and you get an extra month. And what's also great is that it's a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you, for some weird reason, don't enjoy it, you're getting your money back. So no harm, no foul. Uh, that's why NordVPN is the place to check out. Really open up your streaming platforms and have a little bit better entertainment in your life. So go ahead and check them out, NordVPN. Okay, so enough of Tennessee talk. Let's jump in to 
the very newsworthy week of SEC coaches just bitching back and forth at each other <laughs> and literally, you're a cheater. No, you're a cheater. When they're all fucking cheating. And we've talked about this in length. Um, Reed is a huge proponent for cheating, saying if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, um, <laughs> which I kind of agree with. But it uh, starts out the week, Lane Kiffin uh, sending out a tweet talking about uh, Texas A&M having to pay a luxury tax on all the money they're giving these recruits and why they got the number one signing class. And Jimbo fires off. He goes on a complete rant about can't believe these coaches. Uh, what a bunch of clown, like, uh, you know, I wish someone would look into what they're doing. Uh, if we really want to play this game, he's like, I know what goes on. Okay, good and well. Where was the denial? Where, where was the point where you said, no, we did not pay any of these guys? Because I didn't see it. I saw it as, we worked really hard to sign this class. That doesn't mean you didn't pay them. Why is he complaining? He's got the number one signing class. He's going to be a really good team. And he got away with it. Someone who comes out and immediately – I mean, you know this. You're guilty if you come out and just start yelling immediate. Just start yelling and getting all pissed and all emotional. It's like you're the guilty party here, and you know it. That's because people are calling you out on it. I have no problem with it. Everyone cheats, and I know everyone cheats. It's obvious everyone cheats. So why are you worried about what Lane Kiffin is saying? He's literally trying to get under your skin, and he did it. Then it goes over to Nick Saban. Nick Saban comes out and says, we have never cheated. We have never played the, paid these players. And then goes and then goes on to say, now it doesn't matter what coaching you have or what school you go to. It matters how much money you make. And then was also the guy who bragged about at SEC Media Day that it was quarterback was getting paid a million dollars. He hadn't had a snap yet. So I don't want to fucking hear it, Nick. I know you're a cheater. I know you've cheated. I guarantee there's players out there that feel maybe jaded by you that would go out and say, yeah, I got a bag. What do you mean? I was a freaking five-star. Of course I got a bag. And why did you brag about Bryce Young making a million dollars at SEC Media Day? Hmm? Hmm? Because you well, knew NIL stuff works. You knew that you're paying these guys. You knew that you could get them a lot of money. You're using NIL as a recruiting tactic. So you can't come back and say, oh, yeah, I don't even want to use NIL. If it gets to that point, that's not what I started doing this for. F off, man. You're, you're talking through both sides of your mouth. You're the biggest hypocrite out there. Just accept the fact that you cheated to get what you got. You had great success. Listen, getting guys there is only part of the battle. You have to develop them. You have to keep them in check. You have to keep them in line. You have to keep them disciplined. All of that stuff is what makes Coach Saban the best coach in college football. All of that stuff. And there's no taking that away from him. But shut your damn mouth talking about we never cheated and talking about how you don't want to use the NIL's recruiting when you throw it out as soon as, as soon as NIL came available. You throw out the fact your quarterback's making a million dollars. 
the, the fact that you have all these classes, the fact that you took an Alabama program that was nothing and won a national championship in two to three years and just continually did it, like in an era of college football when the most cheating has gone on and the most scandals of any sport has happened in this past 15-year time period and you've won seven national championships during that and been to four others? And you're going to say that you didn't have anything to do with the cheating, that everyone else was cheating but not you? Just get over yourself, Nick. I know you're great, but get over yourself. I I just like, what do you want him to say? Like, yeah, been cheap for years. Like, you can't say that. I mean, I I guess he could not get as flustered or fired up about it. Why is he making stuff. a comment? And and, and the, well, because someone must have asked him about it, Kyle. I'm assuming someone asked him. I think that's why Jimbo was asked about. It. Now, listen, I like I agree with you that they've been cheating, but my I would just say like, well, what the hell are they supposed to say? And the other thing is too, I'm assuming Nick would be like. I'm saying I've never illegally paid someone like Bryce Young got a million dollars because he's the quarterback at Alabama. And that's his NIL deal. I never handed Kyler Kerberson from Knoxville Catholic a four star, you know, 2,500 bucks or, or 10,000 bucks to come here. Like that's what he would say. The difference would be is like now the NIL is like legalized, but anyways, for the Jimbo stuff, I don't like Jimbo. Like I think Jimbo is a slime ball. Like I think he, has been doing the actual cheating, but now he's just getting away with it because it's the NIL stuff. So for for me, like sitting here listening to you talk, it changes how I'm gonna go about it. Because when I watched that video of Jimbo, I was like, come on guy, like just stop. Like just shut up. But I don't know what these guys are supposed to say when they are asked questions. So it's like they're getting prompted. So I, I'm gonna put myself in Jimbo situation. And I'm sitting there, and he's like, uh, you know, hey, Reed, like, you know, what do you think of all these other people and saying, like, oh, that you did this or you did that? Well, obviously, I probably don't like Lane Kiffin because he's a troll. So I probably am going to come back hard at Lane. And because I, what I would do is, like, if I'm Jimbo, I'd be like, they do, they do the exact same stuff that we do or they have the exact same capabilities of doing what we do. So it's like I don't know what he's mad about, like, you know, and, and say, hey, I'm really proud of how our team works. So, like. It's just, it's just call it true wall. It is what it is. Like, we know what he's saying is BS, but, like, what else is he supposed to say? You, you, you see what I'm saying? So that's where I'm coming from with it. But uh, agree, like, I, what my thing, favorite part of it was, what I thought was hilarious was he's like, I mean, have you ever been here? You ever been here? You ever come to Texas A&M? He's like, place is incredible. It's like, first off, like, I personally haven't been to Texas A&M. I've heard that it is pretty cool and it's pretty neat, but, like, you're, you're Texas A&M, like, you're not like there's a lot of other really cool places to go like Tennessee has a great atmosphere like Bama has a great atmosphere Florida LSU like you know go out go to you know to Texas go to you know Oklahoma like there's there's other schools you know Jimbo besides Texas Sam he's like and he's like best education he's like best best you know you graduate here you got the Aggie you know connection he's like best connection in the world it's like I'm pretty sure like Stanford or like Notre Dame or like you know, like they're just as good, or if not better. You know, like Harvard would be pretty good to graduate from. I mean, uh, Texas, the other team in your state, they, has a better right. connection than you do, bud. Right, right. So it's like I just love those things. And then my other favorite was like, I mean, and then you're just like discrediting these players, saying that they're only coming here because they're 
they're getting paid, like they're getting bought. I'm like, that one. Th- that's one thing that I've heard growing up a couple times where like people are like, oh, you can be bought. Like, oh, you can be bought. Well, and people act like that's a bad thing. I'm like, bro, if somebody's trying to give me a million dollars for how good I am playing football, I'm going to take it. And you can say I'm being bought or whatever. Like, yeah, I'm going to take that money. You know, like I'm getting paid for my services. If, like, you're, if you got- you're a top five recruit, you're going to play at – one of the best schools in the country, no matter what. Exactly. So what does exactly. it matter if you're getting paid to go to this one or not getting paid to get like, right. I'd rather what, take the money. What's the, what's the moral compass of you can be bought. You can be paid. Like, what do you mean? Like, like I'm trying to set my family up for, for, for life. Like I'm trying to set myself up for life. Like I can go out here and, and, and get an injury right away. Like, so I don't, I've never liked that. Like I've never liked that stuff. You know, everybody it, is it, bought. Every person who has a job who yeah. gets another job because they pay more was bought. Right. Agreed. It's all the same. Agreed. Agreed. And so I love that when he's like, that's just discredit. These kids saying that they came here because of money It's like, well, yeah, they're like 17 and 18 year old kids. And like some of them may not come from really good background. So it's like they need to make the money when they can because they can't get help from their family or they're they're a, they're they're a kid who has not even gone to college yet. And they just set their family up with more money than that family's ever seen. You know no, what I'm saying? Hey, Jimbo, they ain't coming to fucking Texas A&M because they want to be best friends with your 50-year-old ass. Right, exactly. Like, they're coming because – and so I saw some other funny tweets that was like Texas A&M or Jimbo Fisher's like recruiting classes or Texas A&M recruiting classes before NIL. And it's like, you know, they had some pretty good ones and they might get one or two four-stars – I mean, one or two five-stars and like, you know, a handful of four-stars. This year they had seven five-stars and like 24 stars. Like it was insane numbers. So sounds like that old Miss team back in the day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so the funny thing is, the best thing about all this, Kyler, is I sit here right now and I feel very confident saying, like, congratulations, Texas AM on still going eight and four, nine and three, not winning national championship game, not beating Alabama, or like you beat Bama, but then you're gonna lose to like Arkansas. So it's like, bro, Jimbo, you are who you are. Like, you won a national championship. You are a national championship winning coach. I do not think that you are a I, – I do not think that you're going to be in a national championship game year in and year out like some of these other coaches. And so I think it's going to be funny when that happens and they're not as good and some of these kids don't pan out. Some of them transfer home. Like, I'm not going to be surprised if Walter Nolan's not in orange in a couple of years because he's from here or whatever. Like, what if his brothers are still here? Like, I don't know. Like, what if some of these other kids that went to Texas A&M and they're from Louisiana and they go when they have one bad losing year and now they're playing for Brian Kelly in Louisiana or Georgia kids go back to Georgia. So, like, I don't know how many of these kids are actually going to be there and make a big deal. Um, you know, it's, it's a good stepping stone. Like, if I was a Texas A&M fan, I'd be pumped about it. You know, yeah. I'd be pumped. But, like, I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to be surprised when it necessarily doesn't turn into them winning a national championship or two national championships in the next three to five years. And I think think what has happened in the transfer portal over the past few years now, last year was the first like big year of it, but like the Joe Burrows going to a different school, the Justin Fields going to a different school, those quarterbacks, like Ty Ty Chandler going somewhere else, like just guys from Henry Toto going somewhere else. The transfer portal is not going to hurt any of these guys. Like, it's not hurting guys' draft stock. It's not hurting their um, persona to these coaches and these scouts in the NFL, which is their ultimate goal. It doesn't affect it at all. All that affects it is what their play is, how they are on the field. So 
if you get good playing time at your school and then you transfer to another school and you do a different offense or you do a different defense and you still get good playing time and you still make plays, that's even more impressive that you were able to learn that scheme that fast and still perform so well. And if you're not playing somewhere and transfer and start, you look so much better that you're starting, that you're playing, that you're on the field, that you can show what you can do. So like the transferring for guys does not hurt them in any way. So that's why it's like, what is going on? There it goes. Oh, you're back. back. All right. We're back. We're back. We're back. We had a little pre-session there. (laughs) Did you you hear the end of that? No, but, but I, but the main point of what you're saying is I agree. And that's the other thing is too, is like, I trust Nick Saban's going to be there. I actually now trust that Kirby Smart's going to be there for at least a couple more years. Like I trust that Dabo's still going to be, and when I mean be there, mean be there in the end of the year, like competing for something. Jimbo hasn't proven me that. So just because he got this one signing class, just like Michigan a couple years ago, like the number one signing class, like they're just now got there and they still got blasted. So it takes a long time. And what happens, the, the world of college football moves so fast that, like I said, some of these kids might want to transfer back home and play for those schools. Well, what happens if Jimbo gets caught, you know, in, in, a, in a cheating scandal where he gets caught for paying players or whatever happens or something happens and Texas A&M has to fire him and a new coach comes in? Well, then there's a max exodus of players because they want to maybe play for that coach. Or you, you see what I'm saying? So, like, there's so many reasons why, kid, and, like, your, and your point was transferring is so much more – it's not looked at as like a negative anymore. Like it's just part of the world. Like it part, it is what it is. Um, and so I don't, yeah, I just, um, I, I, yeah, I just don't think it's. Uh, I, yeah. Because the, the way I, the way I looked at it was like when, when it first started, like when you're transferring it's showing that you give up on something else or like yes. your character or whatever. But when you compare it to the NFL, it's like teams are thinking of it as, well, if this guy's good, I'm going to re-sign him. Like, he's not going to choose another team over me. I, he's going to choose money, and I know that as a as an owner, as a GM, as a head coach. I know that I have to pay him more than the other team, or he's going to go to the other team. Right. So now it's the exact same in college where now the coaches look at these players and are like, well, he's going to the place that's paying him the most. That's what would happen if he was on my team and some other team wanted to pay him more. Like you're as valuable as someone is willing to pay you. Like that's your value. Um, So I I think it just, it's integrated into like, it really is not a detriment on your character. It's actually exactly how the NFL works. Right. Lastly, to finish up on these guys. So, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I saw money transferred hands at Alabama. I do know, and I feel comfortable saying, which if people are listening new, I used to date a girl, her brother played at Alabama. He was there when they won a national championship with Nick Saban. So like I was around all that, know all that, heard a bunch of different stuff, but I can tell you that I was down there and I saw a lot of people, a lot of players, college players, that were some of the better players on their team, driving very nice cars, having very nice shoes, very nice outfits, some of these different stuff. Now, I don't know if their families were wealthy or not. I maybe heard that they didn't come from great situations, and now they have this, and now they have that. Now, did Nick necessarily pay him for that? And so he can say, you know, did Nick or his football staff actually pay him? Maybe not. And so he can comfortably say, we've never paid him, but that doesn't mean boosters weren't. And I definitely know for a fact that there were, you know, $100 handshakes or money handshakes or 
$1,000 handshakes where a booster would have, you know, money in his hand and go up and shake the player's hand at the end of the game and say, hey, great playing, great stuff. So, you know, I know for a fact some of that stuff has happened under Nick Saban's time at Alabama, just like it happens everywhere else. So there's plenty of players that know what really happens and what doesn't happen. Yeah, exactly. It's – I don't know if he was encompassing every single person that is affiliated with Alabama athletics when he said we. Maybe he's just talking about him and his coaching staff. Right. But somebody's given them something. Correct. And it's always happened at every school. So. Correct. Okay, last thing I need to touch on. Brian Harson over at Auburn. Um, really just need to talk about it because it's – it's kind of crazy what's going on. Uh, like I said, big news week here in the SEC. He is on the hot seat, and not for being a losing coach, uh, not for being, you know, bad X's and O's or, or losing the Iron Bowl. He's on the hot seat because guys transferred out, coaches are leaving, there's an aff- apparent affair, and it looked like, no one even wanted him there in the first place. Uh, so it comes out that people are asking for his head. Boosters are asking for his head uh, because, you know, five-game losing streak to end the season, 20-some-odd uh, players transfer, including legacy starting quarterback Bo Nix, which when you really think about it, it's kind of crazy that he would transfer because – if you think you're going to transfer, why wouldn't you when your original coach leaves before Brian Harson comes in, but he transfers after a year with him? A lot of other players do. A lot of his coaches are going. Derek Mason leaves Auburn to coach in the SEC, to coach at Oklahoma State in a later, very lateral, maybe even work, like downgrade move. Um, and it, it's strange. Some players have come out and said that you know, he just wants to win, and, and and that's good. Some players have come out and said he wants to win, but he doesn't know how to treat people. Um, and then one ridiculous, Smoke Monday, who was a DB for them, came out and said, like, I, you know, ever since he got there, I don't think he ever had a conversation with my parents. We'll get into the other stuff, but all joking aside, who gives a shit? <laughs> like – like I could care less if one of my head coaches has a conversation with my mom or dad. I don't care. Like I'm not dying over you talking to my parents. If they come up to you, be cordial. Great. But if you never reach out to them, I'm not going to be upset. And I'm going to tell my mom and dad, like, why are you shouldn't be upset? You know how busy he is. Yeah, He's trying to make sure that I have a good career. Like it's not about you mom and dad sorry but like i love how smoke feels like he's important enough that needs that and the guy's known you for a year bud like if that he's known you for for eight months and you wanted to be best friends with your mom and dad like he's it's trying, he's trying, it's, it's, he's trying it's to build this program up it's a good point that you made like yeah if he's in a bit and i don't I, I didn't read this i didn't hear about this so i don't know but if like yeah if smoke and his family were at an auburn event and like brian harson just walks by and is like a dick to him i'm like okay that's one thing. But, like, if he hasn't, like, if you felt like he should have come over, introduced himself, talked, cut up with you, reached out, like, whatever the case may be. But that that's funny. I didn't hear that. 
yeah, like he like tweeted it or, or or put it on a comment or something, and 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 it's just like you do realize there's 90 other guys on the team, right? And then there's also you know 15 other coaches, and there's also a hundred boosters, and, there, and, and there's and there's 300 recruits. Like he's not just dealing with you and your parents, Mister Smoke. God, um, you know Smoke. You know, Smoke Monday was the guy that picked off uh, JG in the end zone when we were driving down and controlling that game. Yeah, good job picking off JG, you and f- 50 billion other people. <laughs> Jeez, what an accomplishment. Yeah, I don't, um, I, don't really have, I don't really have much to say except for the fact that when all this was coming about, I was like, you know what? I, I, I'm fine with Auburn having some turmoil, not because I'd like to hate them or dislike them, but like just like hopefully it would help Tennessee. You know, because yeah. Tennessee's a very comparable uh, – like, at, Tennessee's a better football program, but but Auburn's had the better past 10, 15 years. Like, they just have – it's not even close. They've had a national championship. They've beaten Bama multiple times, which is not just beating Bama, but beating their rivals. Like, they, they've had some good seasons compared to us. So, like, if, if he left, I was joking. Like, I wish all this crap would have happened like a week or so ago so we could have tried to steal a bunch of their recruits or, like, transfer portal guys. Like, come on down. So – you know, and I, I'm not there, so I'm not going to commit or uh, make real comments on, like, maybe he's just trying to run it his way, and that's a way of, like, we're not putting up with nonsense here. Like, we're, we're going to run this. It's going to be a good, you know, good football program. We're going to be kind of hard-nosed, and that's, you know, hard-nosed, it's very funny because being hard-nosed goes one or two ways. You lose, it's terrible, you're a dick, you're a piece of garbage, da-da-da-da. If, you, if you're hard-nosed and you win – you're old school, you're commendable, you run, you know, you 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 really get the best out of people and you're holding them to high standards. Like so Brian Harsh can be just like Nick Saban, or Brian Harsh can be just like, you know, um, you know, I'm just using Nick because Nick's the easiest to know that he's very demanding and very Bill Belichick. Yeah, well, yeah, I was trying to think of college, but yeah, but like if you're those guys, you better win, because if not, then you get fired and you're a dick and you fit and you're almost toxic because like players don't want to play for you. You know, Greg Schiano style when he was at the, the Buccaneers, and like this guy's been lunatic. <laughs> so, um, so anyways, yeah, I don't have much to say other than that. But I, you know what? We've gone for an hour and 17 minutes. I just, I have to say real quick that this is poor, poor performance on my part. And I got to get better at these recruiting and stuff because I know everyone wants to hear about it. But Charlie Browder, the tight end that we got, yeah, I didn't know it, but he's coming back home basically he's from Kingsport. But like coming out of high school, Dude had a very, very, like, I mean, he had some nice offers, and he had a pretty good list. Now, they're more middle-of-the-road Division One teams, but some still good programs, and it's nice to have him coming back home, and it tied in. Like, that's a good position for us. Like, we, you know, that's a good spot. And then, like I said, I watched uh, uh, Duke Jack Hanna, uh, and now I, I – well, crap, I've messed – I don't want to mess his name up, but I've um, – uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, recruiting is number one, Reed. Don't you know? It is, and I got to get better about doing it since we both hate it. But I know that's what we, you know, and I don't necessarily, I actually don't mind watching transfers, different highlights and stuff like that, because at least we've known that they've, you know, been somewhere. Yeah, and, and I don't mind watching more football. You know what I mean? Like, I like, I like watching football. So watching guys play and watching them play, you know, whether it's a transfer from college or a high school guy coming out of, you know, watching him play, seeing if he's a good player. Like I enjoy that to an extent because yeah. 
as a as a player, as a former we player, just don't we, we don't we don't like getting hyped up saying that he is definitely going to be good because we yes. don't know because we yes. don't know. Yeah, there's there's no telling. Um, but like as a former player, I don't know if everybody realizes, but like you watch so much film, like it is nauseating how much film you have to watch, and not even on your own, just with the team. Like you're in meetings for four hours a day just watching films and sometimes it's the same stuff over and over and over and you're watching the same play again and again and again I mean I remember being in individual meetings and watching 15 plays in a row for this run install then going to an offensive meeting watching 15 plays in a row for this run install then going to a group meeting with quarterbacks and running backs and watching the plays again and like watching them three like Three times in a row, I think three different coaches explain. It's just like, okay, guys, like we get it. So you almost get used to that watching film over and over. And, like, then you can start to tell, like, oh, that's actually a good play by him. That's actually a really shitty play by him. Like, actually, he used bad footwork there or he had bad hands on that play. Even though he made the tackle, it wasn't a great play to put on there. Sometimes feel like – in it kind of goes back to the Jason Jenkins. It's like, you got to ask somebody to look over this before you post it, man, because some of those <laughs> plays are not, not your best. You should not be putting them out there. Well, let me just say, I've loved watching Jackson Hannah stuff. Like, and it's, it makes sense why he's coming home now. Like it's good to like go out and get, and I don't know if you two reach out to him or he reached out to them or whatever, but it's like, come back home. You know, this is a position of need. He played uh, linebacker and like defensive end. His highlight tape's nice. Like, you should probably watch it. Like, I enjoyed it. You know, played played physical, played with good hands, made plays. You know, it was nice to see him coming off the edge and, you know, hit, you know, be, beating a block, running through a, a running back. Uh, but then they showed him in the middle linebacker, and he's, like, filling the gaps nice, making good open field tackles, like bringing some nice wood with him. They put him in at running back. Like, I mean, like I said, his offer list is good. It's kind of funny that the people who recruited him kind of had some Tennessee ties. So, like, Peter Sermon at Cal, like Peter Sermon was here for a year, so he knows NBA. John Chavis, well, everyone knows the chief. He's been here forever. Um, but then, like, you know, he was recruited by Bama, which was nice. Um, you know, Florida offered. It is funny. He had all these offers, and you scroll all the way down, and little Tennessee did not offer him when he was coming out of high school. So I guess that was Pruitt that was there, and I guess Pruitt didn't like him or thought that he could get better. Yeah, but, he also I mean, thought Adonis Mitchell wasn't going to be a good player because he had diabetes. What a damn idiot. <laughs> God. So, anyways, I'll be excited to check him out. I'll be excited. I would. Um, we're going to try to get better about hitting on these recruits, hitting on these transfers, talking about it. We know that's what you guys like. And uh, But, anyways, fun pod. I enjoyed it. Uh, I did go I did. back and watch a little bit of the last pod, and I felt it was so funny because I was not awake yet. So, I was just like, <laughs> so – like so monotone and I was trying to be quiet because like half the sleep or half the house was still asleep. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, loved this one. I thought there was so much news that happened this past week that we couldn't necessarily do the uh, Bush Jones podcast that I promised. Um, like the Dooley one. Hope that gave you guys a little more insight into what it was like, but uh, yeah. Appreciate everyone watching and listening. You guys are the best. Please rate review on all those podcast platforms like subscribe leave comments it helps with the algorithm share please with your friends and family let them know this is where you can get 
the best uh, Tennessee football and SEC football rants. Um, and uh, follow us on social media. So believe in Tennessee on Twitter for our main account. Then there's rbacon26 for Reed and just at Kyler Kerbison for me. Uh, also Instagram and Facebook at Kyler Kerbison. And then if you want to reach out to us, feel free to leave it in the comment section questions on social media and YouTube. Um, but we also have an email, believe in Tennessee football at gmail.com. We have a phone number 865-322-9232. And we'll answer anything. We'll go over any subjects. We, we, we love input from you guys. So please keep it up. Um, and yeah, just appreciate everything you guys do for us. Uh, appreciate the fandom. And uh, as always, go balls. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.